Welcome to B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper, brought to you by True. For too long, B2B has lacked creativity and inspiration, leading to alarming declines in effectiveness and marketing departments being slowly devalued more and more within their organizations. We're here to change that by getting under the skin of what it really means to be a highly effective B2B marketer. We'll be speaking to some of the brightest minds in the industry to discuss what they're doing to be a bit more, well, Don Draper. And now, here's your host, Stuart Black. Joining us today on B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper is Keith Browning, the global brand lead for LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. Keith has created standout marketing campaigns in Europe and the US for a number of famous brands across the travel and tech and hospitality sectors. Keith is also a keynote speaker in many areas of marketing from B2B marketing, brand marketing and digital. He was also recently named one of Ireland's brightest marketing minds, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Keith Browning, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stuart. Great to be here. So firstly, then, what does being a bit more Don Draper mean to you? I think firstly, it's that legendary kind of golden era of advertising, really, isn't it? You know, it's it's the one we've all heard about or, or read about or, or seen in TV shows, obviously, like like Mad Men. So it's creativity for sure. Um, I think it's iconic advertising. Uh, for, for me, it evokes images of, you know, particular kinds of advertising. So for print and, and TV, definitely. I'm probably not mentioned quite as much, but I think the strategic side is probably in there as well. So that comes true in a lot of a lot of the scenes. I, I think as well that you know there's 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 great creativity, which is clear and evident to see, but also there's a strategy behind the work as well. Absolutely. Now you head up the marketing solutions business for LinkedIn, which means you're marketing to the marketers um, so they can be more effective marketers. Very meta, in fact. <laughs> Tell us what you're responsible for and how you help everybody. Yeah, yeah, I, I do sometimes feel like I'm in that movie Inception, uh, honestly, <laughs> because it uh, I, I'm marketing to marketers and actually even sometimes our customers. So our marketers are, are marketing their products to marketers. So it's so it's definitely meta. Um, but yeah, I, I lead I lead a brand marketing function for a marketing solution. So that's, I guess, the longer term, you know, dare I say more emotive style advertising aimed at growing really a, a range of brand metrics for, for the marketing solutions business unit at LinkedIn. Um, and then in terms of how, you know, how our products help marketers, it's really in, in, in basic terms, it's connecting marketers to that customer base they want to reach. So, you know, we have a, a professional audience that, um, that, that we enable marketers to reach and, and, and to build a community with. And then over time, that leads hopefully to, to better results for their business. And a big part of your focus is on building unaided brand awareness. What is that exactly? Yeah, great question. So I think, you know, when we run brand campaigns, we have a range of brand metrics that, that we, we measure and, and we attempt to move the needle on. But unaided awareness tends to be the, the primary one. So unaided awareness is, is, you know, a measure of awareness, obviously, uh, you know, as the name suggests, but it's, but it's recall instead of recognition. So, so that's the key difference there. So if we were to take, you know, say the pizza delivery category as an example, if you wanted to measure awareness outright so so aided awareness you know you might ask a question like have you heard of Domino's or have you heard of Papa John's or have you heard of Pizza Hut um so that's recognition if somebody says yes I have well then they've recognized the brand that you've put in front of them so so that's that's recognition or aided awareness and with unaided awareness you're you're not doing that so you're looking at recall 
So instead of just asking a question like, have you heard of Papa John's? You would take out the pizza brand and just just ask, you know, unprompted what pizza brands comes to mind. So it's, ah, it's okay. it, yeah, it, it's unaided. And, and because of that, I guess it tends to be much more difficult to move, uh, mm. to move the needle on. Quite subtle. And, and how do you measure uh, unaided awareness then? Yeah, so there's a couple of ways. I think if, if you take the LinkedIn business overall or, or even the marketing solutions unit, we would put a brand tracker into market twice per year. So the brand tracker kind of measures the, the long-term health, I guess, of, of our business by looking at a, a range of bad metrics for both ourselves and our competitors. So regardless of what activity we have going on, you know, whether we have a campaign running or not, that brand tracker goes into market twice per year. So that's kind of the main way that we measure unaided brand awareness. But, you know, we supplement that, I guess, with other ways. So if, if we do have a campaign going on, we would also work with a, you know, a Nielsen or, or an Ipsos to, to measure unaided awareness at, at more of a campaign level. So you're kind of, you know, you might look at a, uh, a pre and post study and, and, and look at, you know, did we move unaided awareness amongst at least those folks that we were able to reach with the campaign? So, Maybe you didn't move, you know, awareness at a, at a global level or at a, at a market level, but you were able to to move it among those exposed to the campaign. So, so it's it's a number of different ways, but but the brand tracker that we do twice per year would be the the kind of the main way we do that, I guess. And how does unaided awareness help the business from a strategic point of view? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. So I think you know, um, if if you think about the classic funnel, right? We we when we when we started off, um, you know, any of our business units, so so as an example, LinkedIn Sales Solutions has been around probably six or seven years. So I've been part of the majority of that business. When we began marketing for, for the sales solutions business, the, the type of advertising that we did was quite low in the funnel. So it was, you know, um, very CTA heavy creative. It was, you know, pretty uninspiring. And, and we measured it based on leads. So, you know, what leads could we bring in in that particular quarter and then ultimately uh, convert? Now, the challenge with that approach is you're, you're ignoring a lot of the market. Um, and, and, you know, even the audience that you do reach are, are probably unlikely to move. Um, you know, you, you, you're unlikely to move a lot of them to action because they're, they're not in market for, for your product right now. Um, so what we began to do is, you know, think about, how do we reach a, a, a broader level of, 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 of people? How, how do we ensure that we're talking to the, the, the market as a whole, as opposed to only a tiny percentage of them? Um, and once you, you know, once you do start to think that way, that, that opens up a bunch of other things, you know, so it's, it's, you know, if, if we are speaking to the entire market, well, then maybe it doesn't make sense to, to have this kind of more rational based lower funnel type creative. Maybe it's more about building memory structures and, and, and uh you know therefore using using emotional creative so so it's really about you know if you think about it as i said at the start from from a classic funnel perspective it's it's trying to fill that 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 funnel up trying to trying to broaden your 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 base and not only focusing on the the tiny portion of marketers that are in market for your product right now fascinating and and what's an example then of an effective brand marketing campaign that you've been involved in or that springs to mind yeah sure so i think one of the brand campaigns I led for LinkedIn was called the Real Faces of Sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was essentially a, a campaign to hero salespeople, really. So so salespeople were the audience for the product, and what we attempted to do was was create a campaign which kind of um, 
where we were, were fighting back, I guess, against some of the negative portrayals of salespeople that you tend to see in media. So I'm sure you've seen yourselves, Stuart, in, in um, movies, the way salespeople tend to be portrayed as like this kind of, you know, cheesy, slick, used car salesman type. Yeah, yeah. So we created a, a campaign essentially tackling that that negative portrayal of, of salespeople. And that one definitely hit immediately, both internally, actually with execs, but, but externally as well. There was just a, a real buzz about it. And um, a number of elements of the campaign went viral, actually, and and most importantly, obviously, you know, it, it delivered results for us. So, so that one that was about three and a half years ago, but it actually became a long term platform for us, and, and we're still using it now today, three and a half years later. So, yeah, so that, that that's definitely one that springs to mind for me, and it, it was also one of the first that I led for LinkedIn. Wow, that's that's great. And I was going to ask how you measure the success of that that sort of campaign, but if you're still using it this this far down the line, then it kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, exactly. It does. And and it goes back to what I said earlier on in the podcast, you know, that the the way we think about brand is kind of almost on a, you know, a long term, a medium term and a shorter term um, basis in a sense. So so the longer term stuff is the brand tracker. And, you know, that goes into market regardless of whether we have a, a campaign running or not. But then with that particular with, with, with the real faces of sales campaign, we also ran a, a, a campaign effectiveness study essentially with Nielsen. So so we could mm-hmm. measure the impact of the of the campaign through to a pre and post study. Um, but then we even get down, you know, to, to, you know, almost channel level measurement as well, where you're, you know, if we're using YouTube and we're using Facebook and, and you know, whatever other channels we're using brand lift studies with, with those channels as well. So in a way we're attempting to, to link some of the activity that we're doing at the top of the funnel with bottom of the funnel results. And drilling down into sort of that, that idea of success then, what does it look like generally for LinkedIn and who do you benchmark yourself against? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, um, I, I suppose success for, for us in terms of the, the role that, that I do, certainly where, where I'm looking at the, the, the longer term side of the business is is in those brand metrics. So it, it is in things like unaided awareness. That obviously complements the activity that we do with, with, with other teams. So other teams are, are focused on, you know, um, converting those that are in market right now and, and, and trying to bring in leads this quarter that, that will close essentially. So so success is 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 both of those. It's 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 the complement of both the long term and, and, and the short term. Um and yes, we do, you know, it, it depends on the business unit, of course. You know, we, we we operate across multiple different categories. So if we're talking about our you know, our sales solutions business unit, they have a particular competitor set. If we're talking about our recruitment products, they have a particular uh, competitor set. For us in the marketing solutions business, um, yes, we would look at competitors like, you know, Facebook and, and Google and so forth. Mm. And the, the digital landscape has changed a fair amount in the last few years. Do you think this is opening up more opportunities for B2B marketers to be more creative? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I do, honestly, I do. I, I, I mean, there are a lot of opportunities for, for B2B marketers, I think, that just weren't around a few years ago. So mm. I think audio is definitely an interesting one. You know, I, I was only in a, uh, a, a kind of seminar a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about, you know, where podcast is going and, you know, the ability we now have to purchase uh, inventory programmatically. So I, I think audio is definitely an interesting space, but probably the most exciting one, I think, is connected TV. Uh, so, you know, uh, connected TV tends to be, big screen it's you know it's sound on etc so i think there's a lot of opportunity there for 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 b2b marketers in the sense that most b2b marketers would have considered uh, tv advertising to be you know cost prohibitive in in the past so uh, you you know you probably would have got some pushback around uh, wastage etc from from execs but um with with connected tv i think you're getting that 
more traditional medium, but with more maybe modern uh, targeting, should we say? So, um, so I think connected TV is is, is definitely a, a big one for for B two B marketers to be excited about, and of course, you know, LinkedIn as well. Uh, I I must mention for um, you know, for B two B marketers, you know, if you do want to reach professional audiences in a in a really you know in, in interesting ways, I think we definitely have come a long way in the last few years. Like, you know, we didn't even have video on our platform only a few years ago. So I I think um. For, yeah, when it comes to B two B, I think LinkedIn. Um, not only in terms of what's what, what what's come, um, what what we've launched in, in in the past couple of years, but what's to come down the road as well. Absolutely. And for you, what would you say really great B two B advertising looks like? Yeah, so I I think for that you know it is it is difficult to to give advice. I I find when it when it comes to creative because obviously every situation is different. But we can look at at you know general kind of principles, and, and I think. The, the first one I would I would go to for sure is emotion. So, uh, you know, emotion quite literally drives memory. So, mm. you know, we, we, we tend to uh, remember, you know, emotions and, and probably, you know, forget more logical uh, facts, should we say. So so the stronger the emotion, the stronger the memory. So I, I definitely, you know, it, it's got to be emotional if you want to build memory structures. To, you know, it, it, there's no other way around that. I'd say the second one definitely is branding. So, so, so that's, a, that's a huge one. You know, let's not leave your your branding to the, to the last second of the video uh, when when most people have stopped watching anyway. Um, so so you know, creating some distinctive assets, whether it's you know characters or slogans or shapes or colors or, or whatever it happens to be, but but having those throughout is 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 vitally important. You know, if 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 somebody doesn't know what brand they're looking at, well then you know nothing else really matters. If they can't link the brand to you, you know it's all out the window anyway. Mm. So I think definitely. Um, Branding is, is a usually important one. And then I think the final one I would point to is actually just committing to something long-term. So committing to the idea, create a platform and, and, and then leverage it for years as opposed to, you know, weeks or months. So yeah, I, I'd say it's those three. It's the combination of, of, of emotion, which is going to drive that memory. It's making sure that you're recognized. So, so having it well-branded and then it's committing to something, committing to that big idea um, over, over the long-term. And and that what that comes down to in the end is taking the time to make sure you've got all those things in place uh, and doing it right. Absolutely. So more broadly then across B2B, are there any standout campaigns that you've really admired? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, there's some iconic ones, I think, that, that come to mind, like like the ABM. So, you know, nobody ever got fired for, for buying IBM. So I think that's one that immediately springs to mind. I think there's more recent examples like Gong. So, so everything they're doing now with kind of their, you know, their, their mascots and I know they ran Super Bowl ads last year. I think they're doing some some really interesting things. I think, though, to be honest, the 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 Salesforce work for for me overall, like both the the, the Trailblazer campaign they they've had more recently, and the the kind of the war against software that that they launched with years back. Um, I think they're probably best in class when it comes to uh, when it comes to B two B marketing. I think they're just doing pretty much everything everything right. And um, uh, within all those things, was there any uh, commonality that made them successful? Do you think was there anything that you could identify as the sort of secret source? Yeah, so I, I think you know a clear positioning. Firstly, so um, you know for for Salesforce, they were saying essentially that you know we're a cloud based platform, so so we're we're easy to use and and and, and we're cheaper um, than our competitors. So. When they launched with that anti-software campaign, that's what they were highlighting. You know, they're implying that you know software 
is is complex and software is is you know difficult to use and, and it's expensive. And we at Salesforce, you know, we're we're none of those things. We're 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 not software. We we're literally taking a position against that. So I think having a having a clear position is is definitely one thing to point to. Um, I think they also do a job. You know, we, we talked about distinctive assets earlier on. I, I think Salesforce definitely do a, a great job of building those distinctive brand assets. When you think of like the shapes they use, like those kind of clouds and and their their particular colors and and those mascots that they have. You know, you you could you could literally remove the the logo from a Salesforce ad, and most people will still know it's Salesforce. So I, I think that's that's where we're all trying to get to is 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 being distinctive enough that you can you know. Like like Nike do they you know Nike can remove the, the the word Nike from the ad and we still know through you know the slogan and 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 the tick and and, and everything else that, that it's a Nike ad. So I think in the B two B space, Salesforce have have definitely achieved that, and and that's where we're that's where we're all trying to get to. And you mentioned uh, committing to an idea over a long time being very important. Why is it so hard for marketers to stick to a distinctive asset, even though we know it works? Yeah, that's a great question. I think honestly, it's um, well, it's it's a couple of things. I think firstly, there there is a lack of education, um, out, out, you know, amongst marketers generally speaking. I would say I think it's gotten better in the last couple of years, but but generally speaking, I think there's, there's probably a lack of education. Like personally, I, you know, I, I did a degree and, and and then a master's in in marketing, um, and I don't think the idea of distinctive brand assets were, were ever brought up or whatever you want to call them, you know, whether it's fluent devices or, 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 or whatever, whatever you want to, um, however you want to, want, want to, want to, uh, call them. But mm-hmm. I, I think definitely a, a lack of education among marketers is, 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 is one thing. The second thing, honestly, I think is just, we love change. Like we get bored of our own ideas, um, very quickly, you know, much, much quicker than, than the audience does. We, you know, we're, we're involved in a project probably for months, or even a year, you know, before it launches to market. So by the time you're launching, you're already sick of, of, of the creative, you know, generally speaking, you've, you've, you've gone through rounds and rounds of feedback. You've, you've, you've gone through every iteration of it um, and you've launched it to market. So, but, you know, before the audience ha- has even uh, seen it, you know, marketers tend to be, tend to be sick of it. So I, I think that plays a role as well. And then just, when it comes to exec buy-in, I know personally for me that, that that's probably maybe the biggest one is is exec buy-in. So, you know, it, it, it's great to be able to to go to the exec team with, with with a brand new, you know, shiny object that that they can get excited about and 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 they can talk to their peers about and and they can you know put out posts on on LinkedIn about and talk to the media about etc. I think you know everybody is. Um, everybody loves the, the the new bright shiny object. So um, so I think it, it you know. It, it, it's so there's a lot of reasons why you would go for something for, for something new um mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of attractiveness around that but um but i i, I think i i think you, you can definitely kind of like like with a lot of things in marketing um the answer doesn't have to be either or i think the answer can be both and, and you can stick to a a long-term platform and you can still kind of refresh it in certain ways as well to get execs excited so i think that that's probably where where i'd fall down on it, it it's both Right. That makes sense. Absolutely. Um, and you mentioned before emotion. Let's let's go back to that. How does LinkedIn use emotion uh, in your communications? As a rule of thumb, I think, you know, you, you, you got to think about what type of creative that you're, you're, you're putting out into the world and, 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 you know, what the objective of it is. So for us, I mentioned earlier, emotion drives memory. 95% of, of your audience aren't in market right now. 
Uh, and again, that's another rule of thumb. Obviously, it's going to vary by, by category of market. But but what it means is almost everybody you're targeting isn't looking for your product right now. So you've got to go in knowing that. You, you know, you you got to begin the process understanding that you got to break through, but you also got to use emotion to build memory structures because you know that most of the folks you're reaching are not looking for you right now. And it's in a week or a month or three months or even a year when they are looking for you that 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 you want to be part of that kind of consideration set. So so I think for marketers, it's about recognizing the power that emotion plays. I know from our own research that, you know, B2B strategies that that appeal to emotions are seven times more effective at driving long-term sales. So mm. I think, you know, having that understanding that, you know, emotional uh, emotional messaging is better at driving sales in the long-term, you know, com- compared to rational messaging, I, I think is, is, is really important. Um, and it's really, yeah, then just about building it into your work. Right. But that doesn't mean leaving rational messaging behind completely. Is there a time when it's right to use that over emotional messaging? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. I, I think there are I think there are times when, when, when that does make sense. So I mentioned before um, that 95% of your market aren't, you know, in market looking for your product right now. That obviously means that there's, you know, the 5% who are. So the, 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 the role that rational messaging can, can play, I think, is, is, is when it comes to trying to target those folks. So if folks are in market right now, that's a great time to, to use rational messaging. And that's when you can also do things like, you know, you can split test 50 different call to actions and, and different fonts and different colors and, and, and anything else you want to test. Because if you're if your only goal with a piece of creative is to get somebody to take action right now, um, well, then that means that you can actually create, you know, you, you, you can change it immediately. So in other words, you put out a, a piece of creative, it's not really getting the response you want, well, then change it. And if that's not getting response, well, then change it again and change it again. Um, I, I, I think in, in those circumstances, it's perfectly fine. That's in complete contrast to to obviously what we talked about um, a few moments ago with, with with you know committing to an idea long term, which is which is different. That that's that's about those folks that aren't in market and, and, and it's about building those memory structures. But yeah, I, I think when you want somebody to buy now, uh, well then I, I think that's where you know rational messaging can really play a role. So let's talk about the future. When Reid Hoffman started LinkedIn in 2002, he'd have likely only dreamed it could become what it has today. Mm. So what's the vision for LinkedIn over the next 10 years? Yeah, well, I mean, I think LinkedIn obviously has never been more, you know, valuable to, 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 to our members than it is right now. We're helping more people, you know, find jobs than, 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 than ever before. And we're getting better at it, honestly. We're, we're, we're getting better at matching, you know, people to the right jobs. So, um, I, I think, you know, we, we have an incredible learning platform that allows folks to upskill, um, with sales. I mean, when, when you think when, 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 when COVID hit and, 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 you know, suddenly we were all in lockdown things for members, like salespeople really changed overnight, you know, suddenly, suddenly if you work in sales, you can't go visit a, you know, a customer in person. So, you know, we, we have a, a product that was quite literally built to help you grow, uh, relationships with buyers and, 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 and other folks. And also to find new ones. So I think honestly, in, in the coming years, it's 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 about you know um, can we ensure that a diverse workforce is is feeling more and more comfortable to to come to LinkedIn and, and to find opportunity, whether that opportunity is is you know landing a sales deal or or it's or it's finding a job, um, but but it, but it's finding that opportunity. It's it's connecting with people. It's it's growing their skills and 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 obviously growing their business as well. 
Great stuff. Watch this space then. Um, and that brings us to the rapid fire round where I'm going to just throw some questions at you and I want you just to respond as quickly as you can from the gut. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, number one, advertising or ABM? Oh, advertising. Logic or magic? Magic. Brand building or lead generation? Well, as my title might suggest, I, I will I will have to go with brand building for this one. <laughs> and what's the problem with B2B right now? Um, in three words, it, it's a snooze fest. <laughs> <laughs> and if Don Draper was involved, how would he fix the problem? Well, I, I like to think Don Draper would, you know, he'd inject some magic, some some you know, creative thinking, some 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 emotion back into the process. I think that's how he'd he'd go about it. And final question then, if you could tell all the CEOs to read one book, what would it be? So I think that's an easy one for me. I think it's How Brands Grow by Byron Sharp. And I almost hesitate to say that because I'm sure it's it's a popular answer. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure Byron said when when he wrote that book that CEOs were were, were the kind of audience that he had in mind. You know, there are are just some principles or or laws in there that I think every CEO should know. And, And the way that book is written um, I just think it would it would appeal to a lot of CEOs. It, it's not kind of you know a typical, colorful, fluffy you know airport type book. It's 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 the real deal, um, and it's you know it's it's thoroughly researched. So uh, so how brands grow by Byron Sharp. Great stuff. It's on the list. Uh, so that all it leaves me to do is just to say uh, thanks to my guest today, Keith Browning. Thanks, Stuart. It was it was great to be here. That absolutely flew in. <laughs> Yeah, really insightful, fun chat. I've really enjoyed uh, speaking with you and learning more all about uh, your philosophy and LinkedIn. I'm Stuart Black. See you next time on B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper.